Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. In our last episode, The Science of Tattooing, The Science of Tattoos, uh, we discussed uh, the history, the culture of uh, tattoos a little bit, kind of an overview, and then we broke down the, the science of getting that uh, that symbol, that uh, name, that deity, that dolphin put into your flesh in a, <laughs> a semi-permanent uh, way. Indeed. And we even talked about some of the more unusual tattooing practices, like having your medical condition tattooed on you. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about scleral tattooing. Oh, we did not. Yeah, which is tattooing the whites of your eyes. Yeah, which is doable, not necessarily advised. Right. Uh, but uh, but it is possible. Just to show you just how how extreme your tattooing can go. Uh, and, and indeed, uh, we also didn't get into some of the ways that uh, individuals uh, augment their tattoos, uh, such as by adding additional uh, uh, implants. Uh, we were looking at, a, at a, an example uh, of an individual who... Uh, Gave uh, breast implants to his tattoo back in 2007. Yes. Um, yeah, on his uh, on his leg, to be specific. On his mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Or it was uh, I. I can't tell from the picture if it was a mermaid or possibly just a cowgirl. Uh, uh, can I see again? Sure. Good oh, you're right. It is a cowgirl. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that was a mermaid with like a cowboy hat. Well, you know, there are a lot of mermaid tattoos, and essentially, it's a mermaid tattoo. It's very much in that same uh, genre. But yeah, he apparently decided it needs implants and. Uh, uh, apparently, there's not a lot of specifics on what he used, but uh, uh, Canadian uh, body art enthusiast Lane Jensen uh, had the implants done to enhance the uh, the chest of this particular uh, emblem. So, a topographical tattoo, if you will. Yeah. Now we bring all of this up because as long as there have been humans with access to a needle and some dye, there have been tattoos. So the question now becomes. What are some of the more cutting-edge technologies available, and what will the future hold? Yeah, because in general, we're going to keep getting them for the same reasons we've always gotten tattoos. We want to express ourselves in darker areas. We want to dehumanize people. Hopefully, we won't go as much that route in the future, but who knows? Uh, we want to uh, treat illness, illnesses, so somehow mm-hmm. uh, improve uh, the, the functioning of our bodies. And uh, we see all of these energies uh, in our in our future and emerging uh, tattooing technology. Now, the maker movement has a foothold in tattoo technology. Paris Design Studio appropriate audiences combined a 3D printer with a tattooist needle to form an automated tattoo printer that can create tattoos. They adapted software produced by something uh, or by a company called Autodesk to turn tattoo designs into digital files that can be downloaded to the machine. And then the user inserts his or her limb into the printer, and the needle draws the design into their skin. Nice. Yeah, and uh, apparently the needle replaces the part of the printer that would usually extrude melted plastic to make objects. Interesting. I mean, it's very much in keeping with the origins of the tattoo gun itself, mm-hmm. which was based on, I believe, Edison's uh, model for the for an electric pencil-type device. Yeah, uh, the electric pen. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, this is fairly nuanced for just being a hacked 3D printer because what they did is they, they made some bespoke 3D printed parts to work with it. And then they have a sensor that reads the surface of the skin of the user 
uh, meaning that the needle can respond to changes in skin texture and the dimensions of the limb. So it makes me think, you know, who knows? This could be more of a DIY endeavor in the future with 3D printers. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, I'm, I'm looking beyond uh, do-it-yourself. Uh, and, and as I say this, I I certainly hope that the human tattoo artist never goes away because I, th- I feel like that's a vital part. You know, you, it, it's the ritual of the, of the thing. And you need, you, you don't want a machine. You want a high priest. It's uh, taking care of your uh, your semi-religious ritual of pain. And so you need <laughs> that human touch. But maybe we will reach the, t- the day when uh, instead of a cigarette machine at, uh, in the back of your local bar, mm-hmm. there's a tattoo machine. And that would be the perfect place for it. Uh, you just go back there and you suddenly have an idea. Yes, I want the name of this uh, individual I just met put into my skin. Uh, yes, I want that football team on my shin. And you just stick your arm or leg or what have you into the machine it clamps down and then just uh, prints that sucker right into your skin. Okay, the problem with that is that you would have a bunch of sort of, uh, what would you call them, like clip art designs available. So yeah. the well, artistry, like, it, like at any tattoo uh, place, though, you're going to have a lot of clip art available. Although some tattoo artists will create their own designs, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily from the, the clip art available. So what I'm saying is that I think that the artistry there could be lost in a 3D machine. Oh, oh, uh, indeed. I mean, unless you you're really looking far into the future and you're looking at at the uh, the possibilities of you know, artificial intelligence uh, being a part of that machine. Oh, yeah. And know. if you want to look more into that, you should check out our episode on. Uh, I think we titled it "Can Machines Be Creative?" Yes, I will make sure to include a link to that podcast episode on the landing page for this episode at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. Now. As we discuss this, we're going to inevitably hit on uh, on ideas that really resonate with uh, with sci-fi fans out there. And I was I was trying to think of some really great examples of science fiction tattoos, and uh, two came to mind. First, uh, Dr. Amy Wong from Futurama, because uh, she has several tattoos um, that that come up throughout the, the course of the show. But of particular note, there's uh, there's one episode where she has this uh, really obscene tattoo, but we can't see it because our TVs in the past. A.K. The, the current, the, the modern age, uh, we uh, we don't have high enough def to see what's going on in this obscene tattoo, and uh, and then there there seem to be at least four talking tattoos that pop up throughout the course of the show, including a devil that on her shoulder that uh, that says all sorts of obnoxious things, but it's essentially an animated tattoo, which actually kind of exists, kind of in a very kind of in a very sketchy uh sense but uh but yeah it's cer- certainly something that is already on the minds of uh of tattoo enthusiasts and uh and 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 anyone that's looking into the future it's like what what else can we do with the tattooing medium what can we do with our current and emerging technology to change the shape of what it does um another example that comes to mind in Ian M. Banks' uh, Surface Detail, which is one of his culture novels, which I've, I've talked about those before, it's wonderful books. Um, in that particular book, there's a character who's covered with uh, congenitally administered tattoos. Uh, and it has, there's a kind of a complex plot uh, with her where she's essentially born into a kind of an indentured service kind of environment. Okay. And so she's kind of like tattooed at a genetic level. To show that she's uh, someone else's property. Okay. But then, in hence the, the congenitally. Yeah. Bit, yeah. In the book, she uh, eventually acquires this uh, this kind of nanotechnology uh, uh, thin layer that covers her body, mm-hmm. and uh, it serves as like a spacesuit. But it also allows sort of like customized animated tattoos to pop up. Now it's you know it's not under the skin, so it's not technically a tattoo, but it's very much in the in the the spirit 
of augmenting your body with uh, with high technology. Which, which kind of brings us back to now and what we can do in terms of animated tattoos. In 2011, a Paris-based tattoo artist who goes by the name of Carl, K-A-R-L, like all initials, mm-hmm. uh, inked a QR code on a willing participant named Marco. I think you just, we should say willing. Yes. Um, and what happens is that QR code, when you put an iPhone over it, the phone plays an animated tattoo design of a top-hatted kind of character. Like, like a mustachioed dude, right? Yeah, with a thin, long mustache. Almost like the Monopoly dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's kind of a rudimentary idea of what an animated tattoo can be, because we think animated tattoo, oh, that's like independently animated, but no, it has to interact with technology. Yeah, and that's that's really, the I think, the cool part about this particular tattoo is that it is a tattoo that interacts with technology. Mm-hmm. And we'll discuss some more examples of that as we move forward. Now, I would do want to point out that How Stuff Works does have an article, How Animated Tattoos Work. There will be a link to that on the landing page for this episode. Uh, but that one deals with a particular individual, uh, or a pair of individuals, uh, J. Sean Singer and Carl A. Pinter, who back in 2006... We're working with uh, the idea of a programmable subcutaneous visible implant, which is essentially uh, an LCD yeah. under the skin. It's like a TV under your skin. Yeah. So and there's like a control model, power supply. The article goes into more depth about how this supposedly worked, uh, but it's not something you can get at your local tattoo parlor. No. And it's very much uh, some do-it-yourself uh, cybernetic tinkering in the flesh. Um, it's interesting. It's not completely... Uh, out of keeping with the idea of the tattoo, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it, it's certainly a very crude example of where we may be going in the future. That spacesuit in yeah. E.M. Banks' novel, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's basically the do-it-yourself 2006 <laughs> version of of that. It's in, under the skin. Now, um, the next example we're going to bring up is based in biometric recognition. Okay, and we know what that is, right? That's been around for a while. This idea that you can plug information in, you can identify people based on physical characteristics like fingerprints, the iris of an eye or a face. Facebook facial recognition uses something similar in an attempt to try to semi-automate their photo tagging system. But we've got an upgrade to that. And it comes uh, by way of Anil Jain, a Michigan State University professor of computers. Yeah, back in 2008, he created an automatic image retrieval system whereby law enforcement agencies would be able to match scars, marks, and, of course, tattoos to identify suspects and victims. Uh, and as, if you've ever seen a cop show, you know that, like, tattoos always come up. You know, are there any tattoos or distinguishing marks, right? Mm-hmm. That's always a key part of identifying right. somebody. So it makes sense that you'd want to uh, incorporate that into your biometric information. And so this is the idea behind tattoo ID. And uh, this identification tool would be, then be made available to law enforcement, government, military agencies. And, in fact, in 2010, uh, Michigan State University licensed tattoo ID technology to MorphoTrack, the world's, quote, unquote, top provider of biometric and identity management systems. So we see this not just as a sort of cutting edge technology, but a technology that's being adopted uh, on a wide scale. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? I right. Mean, you have an individual with a distinguishing mark, distinguishing tattoo. You want that to be a part of your uh, record keeping. So Yeah, you want to bump that up against the database, right, and right. see what comes out. And it turns out that it determines the suspect's identity with a really high accuracy rate 
And while, you know, this identifying mark, whether it be a scar or a tattoo, can't uniquely identify a person, it can help authorities narrow down the list of potential identities. And it can indicate membership in a gang, social and religious group, or a military unit. Of course, this wouldn't stop savvy criminals with means, right? Because even in a DIY sense, we've seen criminals obscure their fingerprints by slicing them off. Yeah. So obviously tattoo removal or, you know, even covering up would change those marks or identifying marks. Yeah, you just change the tattoo every time you uh, you commit a crime. Like the first time it's a rabbit, second time it's a rabbit on a donkey. Then it's jousting with a with a windmill or something. You know, you just add some new element to it and just uh and just keep the uh, the, the tattoo ID system uh, ever uh you know on its on its feet trying to, to catch up with you. I hope Interpol isn't listening. Yeah. Right? Because that's sort of your MO, right? You just revealed it to the world. I know. Now they know. Now they know. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss more about the uh, the future and near future of crazy high-tech tattoos. We're back, and this, uh, this next entry, I, I guess we could uh, say that the 90s rave scene helped to spawn it. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you're... If you're going to a rave, uh, uh, particularly in the 90s, you know, what are you going to encounter? You're going to go into a room with some, some, uh, hopefully really awesome electronic music going mm-hmm. on, really, you know, thump, fierce thump, beat going. Thump. Yeah. It's, uh, it's likely going to be dark, except with some crazy lighting, some with glow sticks, glow sticks, uh, perhaps some ultraviolet lighting going on as well. And that ultraviolet light will be, uh, illuminating certain colors, certain tones, and really, uh, you know, changing the, uh, the visual world that you're, uh, that you're uh, taking part in. And if you have ultraviolet dye pumped into you, into a tattoo, ah. it will reveal itself under this black light. Yeah, you essentially have a, a black light tattoo that, that under normal, normal circumstances doesn't even show up, is essentially invisible. But then when you enter the rave environment, you were a different person, not only because you took that ecstasy, but also because you have this tattoo. Indeed. Now, um, it's not clear if using ultraviolet ink po- poses any health risks. Um, so we should, you know, throw that out there. Um, but it does kind of make some very cool tattoos even cooler. I, I saw one t- uh, tattoo of Yoda poised <laughs> for battle yeah. in regular light. But then you put the black light over him and his eyes glow. And, you know, he's, his lightsaber is you know, blue and menacing looking. I, li- I like it. I mean, I, I like the idea of it because it's it's the idea that you could have a tattoo that that changes its uh, its essential form depending on your environment. And if you enter into a, an environment with black lights, such as a, a rave or a, um, yeah, or I guess a rave. <laughs> Such as, well, only a rave. Yeah, ma- mainly mainly <laughs> raves or puppet shows that use black light. Uh, or ironically, like some of these kids' uh, joints, you know, these jumpy houses. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you show up there and you, you just think, you know, you, just, you think you're just another mom, another dad taking your kid there to the, the bounce place. And then lo and behold, the black lights reveal your, uh, your alternate persona. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> now, we talked about radiation tattoos in the last podcast. This is the... Practice of inking four freckled-sized dots in a configuration, usually a square on a, a patch of skin, usually in breast uh, cancer radiology, and that helps the radiologist to better line up the area to be treated. And we bring this up again because um, having those tattoos, as discreet as they are, for some people can be troubling because it's a reminder of the cancer 
or this feeling that, you know, the, the cancer might come back and this, you know, it, you know, a lot of magical thinking happens. Yeah. Um, as well it should with something that is this weighty of a subject. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, you can just basically understand why someone in this in- in situation might choose to uh, to have less permanent marks on their body if it were at all possible. And this style of tattooing makes that possible. You could get essentially mm-hmm. an invisible tattoo that only shows up under black light. The, when you're receiving the treatment, they just mm-hmm. use a black light to identify uh, where the marks are so that they can, uh, they can aim everything correctly. But then uh, the rest of the time, it's not an issue. Yeah, researchers based at the Royal Marsden Hospital in London asked 42 breast cancer, cancer patients undergoing radiotherapy to rate how they felt about their body before the treatment and then one month later, and half the women were offered fluorescent tattoos, uh, again, only visible under the UV light, while the other half had conventional dark ink tattoos. And the researchers found that 56% of the women who had those fluorescent tattoos felt better about their bodies one month after treatment compared to only 14% among those who have the traditional black dye tattoos. Hmm. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, more future and more tattoos. So you're probably wondering, where do we go from here? We've already talked about a tattoo that essentially is invisible, that only comes to, to life uh, during a, a mid-'90s rave. So, uh, so, so what's next on the list? Well... How about ferromagnetic ink in your tattoo? Yeah, because think about regular ink. It just sits so quietly deposited <laughs> into those specialized cells called macrophages and fibroblasts sitting in your dermis, just trapped there. Uh, but if your ink was enriched with metallic compounds, your tattoo might tingle if, say, your phone rings. Oh. Shall we explain? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well... You don't have to explain why someone would want this. Obviously, we all wish that our <laughs> yeah. cell phones would actually have an even more bodily effect on us, that we would actually feel it in our bodies. Uh, oh, I, mean, I, I say this because I do have a hard time imagining why you would want that. Like the, just yesterday I was working at a coffee shop and everybody was, had their laptop on a single bar mm-hmm. and like multiple people had their cell phones out on the table. And so if, if one person's cell phone would vibrate, we'd all feel it, and we'd all have that oh. momentary, momentary bodily reaction to a phone going off, and then you're wondering, who's trying to get in touch with me? Is it good news? Is it bad news? And you just go through all of that. So, yes, if you want that feeling uh, to actually be a part of your anatomy <laughs> on some level, then ferromagnetic ink is, uh, is, is what you need to look into. Yeah, so once that ink is enriched with metallic compounds and inserted into the skin, it's demagnetized. But when the tattoo is healed, it's remagnetized mm-hmm. with outside magnets, right? Exterior ones. And it becomes responsive to magnetic pulses, which theoretically can be emitted by a cell phone, right? And Nokia submitted a patent for this in 2012 as part of their haptic technology to interact with their uh, products. And whether they intend to actually produce and market this technology or whether it was just sort of a preemptive move to prevent others from developing the technology is not known. Um, I can't imagine a big corporation would be of the mindset, no, no, we don't want people to have this. So we get, I, I imagine it was more in line with people might want this eventually. So if they're going to do it, we're going to make money off of it. Well, I mean, especially when you consider all the brain and body technological interfaces that are being developed already. Yeah, I mean, you know, as repugnant as the idea of my my phone 
reaching into my body is as we inevitably merge with the machine we we want it to be as uh as painless a process as possible we want it, we want to be able to to feel our machines on some level so well and you guys know this to be true and this is why i bet all of you at some point have been reaching for a memory or a fact and mm-hmm. you're just sitting there without the benefit of Google, and you think to yourself, if only I had that Google implant right now, I could keyword this mother, <laughs> and it would be done. I would re- I would retrieve that information that I'm looking for. So um, speaking of Google, their Motorola division patented a device that looks like a neck tattoo, and uh, this device is attached directly to the skin where it picks up vibrations from the vocal cords, creating a microphone with virtually no interference. And again, it's not known if this is like a preemptive patent. They they really are going to create this or if it's just maybe even a, an attempt to get some attention by Google. So, again, it brings to mind the animated tattoo that we discussed earlier. We see sort of the early do-it-yourself um, rumblings of what uh, what is present in these patents, the idea that we can take technology that that is uh, emerging and place it underneath the skin, make it, you know, part of our body. And, uh, and allow us to better interface with our technology. Which, uh, when you consider the Fitbit, right, mm-hmm. and what it does for us, and then sort of making it a subcutaneous thing, makes you realize that this may very well be in the future. And yeah, the, the Fitbit, do you yeah, have one of these? I don't have a Fitbit, but Holly has one, Holly okay. Fry, of history stuff. And she loves it because it shows her sleeping patterns, like how much she wakes up during the night and... Um, you know, she's, she's a runner, so it, it calculates all of that good stuff. But she normally, she just has it clipped to her, right? Like not, it's not attached to her skin. Well, you know, she's a costume designer, so she mm. may have already inserted this subcutaneously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she likes to hack things. Um, the people behind Fitbit, uh, have drafted a concept called Project Underskin. And again, this is a digital tattoo that would be implanted in your hand and allow you to trade data with a handshake monitor your vital signs or even unlock a door. Yes, this is uh, this is pretty pre- pretty amazing, especially when you get into some of the even crazier details, like the even more high-tech details for instance, which which seems um, kind of remarkable that there would be more details to this that yeah. that are stunning, but the team actually envisions that the device will run off the body's own electrochemical energy. So it's it's on all the time. Uh, so you don't have to, to worry about charging your hand at night or anything of that nature. <laughs> like it's essentially a cybernetic part of your body in a mm-hmm. very real and meaningful way. And, and then allowing you to interact with the cybernetic bodies of others. Like you, you shake somebody's hand, you end up exchanging the data. But if it's just a fist bump, you might exchange different data because they talk about it being, there being a sensor, uh, on the outer part of the hand and then on the inner part. Because the idea is that the inner part of the hand is more, uh, more personal. Um, and so that would be maybe be the connection point for more personal data, for uh, for the unlocking of doors, et cetera. It's very odd to me because yeah. the implications of that are pretty far reaching. Yeah. Right. You can't extrapolate that out. And you could even sort of you could look at someone's microbial colony on their hands, which could kind of give you some sort of profile on them, especially since we are beginning to know more and more about the microbiome. But anyway, you know, how it, I love that. Yeah. I mean, this technology plays directly into some of the. The uh, technology we've discussed before uh, for real-time health monitoring and yeah. how important that would be to uh, to just to the, to the overall health of the individual, being able to just check in on a, in a real-time basis to see what's going on with the conditions of the body and not depending upon um, annual or semi-annual checkups 
to see how much damage has been done by a condition. Right. Now, Project Underskin, again, this is more of an abstract notion of, of what could be. Uh, there is an actual concrete uh, device in the works by material scientist John Rogers, who created something called epidural electronics. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, only because epidural, you know, seem to associate with procedures that are medical. Um, it sticks to your skin like a temporary tattoo, and it can do anything from monitor your body's vital signals to alerting you when you're starting to get a sunburn. And Rogers and his company, MC10, are currently trying to figure out ways to get the electronics to the to uh, communicate with other devices like smartphones so that they can start building apps for this. Yeah, I want to also point out that uh, New Deal Design, the people behind Underskin, they believe that they could actually build this within the next five years, given the state of current electronics. And they say that the, 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 the hard part is actually going to be the uh, flexible display that would be involved here rather than uh, the sensor communication implantation or even that uh, that the means by which it would siphon off your own bodily energy. You know, the thing I'm thinking about this, beyond like personal security risks here, uh-huh. or that, what about the inflammation site? And what does this do to your immune system to have this thing that's that's semi-permanent in your body? Yeah, and then can you overdo it? Do you end up with, you have to worry about having too many... Um, uh, dermal or epidermal uh, implants in your body. Can you go too far with this? Yeah, and I mean, I really, I keep thinking about this. It's got to be probably at the nanoscale, really, for your body to to give it a pass. Yeah, and it and it also comes down to the the the, the power of the tattoo itself. You know that you're making something a permanent or at least semi permanent part of your body. And do we really want to forge a permanent bond with our electronics? Do you want to form a permanent bond with with your iPhone, I mean, because even the iPhone, as exciting as that new iPhone is, you know it's 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 going to be obsolete in a number of years. It's not going to be the cutting edge thing, and this is just a thing that goes in your pocket, not something that is implanted in your skin. Moreover, if this really <laughs> takes off and and it's out there everywhere, it's ubiquitous. Everybody has some sort of interactive tattoo. Does it make tattoos less special? Does it make it kind of like this bougie? Uh, consumer-driven thing that everybody is now using. Is it sort of like the, I don't want to say the Google glasses. I have nothing against them. But, you know, eventually if everybody wears those and everybody has this interactive tattoo, it loses some of the magic. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it how it goes. Maybe it'll just be something we all get used to and we're yeah. all cool with. Or and yet even- it's so cool because it offers lots of stuff, right? Yeah. Or maybe it'll, you know, it'll be the mark of the beast. I, I, I kept running across <laughs> that when I was beast. reading these articles. Inevitably, somebody in the comments would say, that sounds like the mark of the beast to me. You know, it's, you know what we need is an interactive mark of the beast tattoo. Yeah. Right, when that's animated. Yeah, and then you can, uh, and then it'll also, uh, it'll be an app for it. Mm-hmm. You can actually, you can pull up on your phone to see who in your area is, uh, is attuned to the Antichrist. Uh, right. So, you know, you'll know who to hang out with. So there you go, a, a sort of crash course in uh, where the technology is right now and where conceivably tattoos will take us in the future. Indeed. All right, if you guys want more, make sure to check us out at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's right. You'll find all the blog posts, all the podcasts, all the videos, everything we do, and links out to our social media accounts right there. If you got some ideas on the future of tattoos, send them to us. You can do that by sending an email to BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 